You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about David Bowie, the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, and the spiders from Mars. In the room, I have Anne. Hello. Rob. Hi. Ben. Hello. Vic. What's up? And Adam. Hey. The rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars is the fifth studio album by English musician David Bowie, released on the 16th of June, 1972, on RCA Records. It was produced by Bowie and Ken Scott, and the genre is glam rock and proto-punk. And from all music reviews, Stephen Thomas Erwine. Borrowing heavily from Mark Boland's glam rock and the future shock of A Clockwork Orange, David Bowie reached back to the heavy rock of The Man Who Sold the World for the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Constructed as a loose concept album about an androgynous alien rock star named Ziggy Stardust, the story falls apart quickly, yet Bowie's fractured, paranoid lyrics are evocative of a decadent, decaying future, and the music echoes an apocalyptic nuclear dread. Fleshing out the off-kilter metallic mix with fatter guitars, genuine pop songs, string selections, uh, keyboards, and a cinematic flourish, Ziggy Stardust is a glitzy array of riffs, hooks, melodrama, and style, and the logical culmination of glam. Lady Stardust, Five Years, and Rock and Roll Suicide have a grand sense of stage drama previously unheard in all of rock and roll. And that self-conscious sense of theater is part of the reason why Ziggy Stardust sounds so foreign. Bowie succeeds not only in spite of his pretensions, but because of them. And Ziggy Stardust, familiar in structure, but alien in performance, is the first time his vision and execution met in such a grand sweeping fashion. All right, what do we think of the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Oz by David Beautiful. Yeah, this is amazing record. Bring back David Ackles. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite record of all time. Is it really? Oh, yes, it is. That's I've, a I've, good been, I've been saying that since I was twelve years old. Consistency. Uh, yeah. No, I, and like I think I can still say that. I mean, nothing has taken its place. And I mean, I told people that I liked my coffee black when I was 12, and here I am still drinking black coffee. There you <laughs> go. So right there with you. Yeah. I don't think that's the same I, thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's going to be like impossible for me to talk about this record without like connecting like moments of my life to it because mm-hmm. it just it it's made such a mark on me. Yeah. Did you re-listen this week? Yes. Did it, Did you... 
uh, did it bring anything new out? That's always my key because I I had kind of forgot. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> forgot about the second, like the second song and like Star. Like I kind of forgot how good like even every the, track is good. Yeah. yeah, like there's there's no weak link. Um, yeah, my only my only weak one was uh, Hang On to Yourself. Yeah, I, I felt was just a. I think if you had to pick one. A notch below. Yeah. Instead of being like an A, it was that like B plus or something. In defense of Hang On to Yourself. Okay. That simultaneously throws back to Eddie Cochran and throws forward to the Ramones. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that riff like. Dun, 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 yeah. No, you're right. Like when you say, uh, when you describe this album as like glam rock slash proto punk, mm. Hang On to Yourself, I think is what they're citing when yeah. they say proto punk. Yeah. It's. It's just all over the place. It's it's a uh, it's got so many different kinds of songs on it, and it's got like slow and beautiful, dark, rock and roll and fast, spacey and goofy. I think the reason I the reason that I think this record is is my favorite is that it introduced to me not just how much variety you can have in an album, but also it introduced to me the idea of the concept album and what it can be and you know it, there's not like a linear story that automatically is obvious right. um it's but it's the idea that it all fits together and i remember just trying to pick apart the lyrics and my first memory that i have of this record was my my it was a old copy of my stepmom's they'd had a flood in the basement and all the uh, sleeves were damaged for her really awesome record collection and um, so she's like, you can have any of this stuff you want. If you want to like clean it up, it, it's yours. So I was like wiping down and trying to save all these like Jimi Hendrix and like David Bowie and that kind of stuff. And, uh, I put this one on having never heard this record or really thought about David Bowie. And the lyrics were so crazy. I had never heard anything like it. Like I'm an alligator. I'm a mama papa coming for you. I'm your space invader. I'll be a rock and rolling bitch for you. Like, I was I listened to that and I was just like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It was it just blew open my mind. I, uh, apparently the 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 concept album aspect of this kind of came together organically and almost as an afterthought. It, it kind of feels that way in a good way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, like it doesn't feel forced. And there's enough air in the concept to let you kind of make your own story, you know? He's like, he's definitely, he developed this character. And like initially they had like four or five songs that he was kind of like doing from the perspective of this character. They also had covers that they were playing on, keeping on the record. Like there's a Chuck Berry song they were doing and some other stuff. And then like throughout the the, the process, you know, they're writing and recording some more stuff. And before they know it, they, they've edged out most of those covers and like they filled it with mostly original material and then it's kind of just the sequencing. Like, like oh, here's a little story arc, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, if like if you told me to describe the plot of this album, I would say, it's like, I don't know, like there's a kooky spaceman yeah. who rocks, and yeah. he kind of, like, he has a big ego, and he fights with his band, and it's a little bit sad, and the world ends. <laughs> like, I learned today that... I don't really know, I don't actually know what happens. <laughs> So I learned today that Ziggy is not the Starman. Ziggy is the earthbound messenger for the Starman. 
So sometimes Ziggy's singing about the Starman, and sometimes David Bowie is singing about Ziggy, <laughs> singing about the Starman. Yeah. It, it, it's like Inception, man. <laughs> <laughs> so many layers. Pronoun confusion. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah, ambiguity. Yeah, Ziggy's like, he's like the prophet. Yeah. Speaking, okay. yeah, speaking of Starman, I found it really interesting. The top of the pops that they were, I watched re- that they were really insistent. Bowie knew that if he got on top of the pops, it would just elevate like him and the band to new levels because he knew he was on to something with glam, but the kids weren't quite there. I don't think they were, were quite into it yet. And he was like, as soon as we get on top of the pops, and he was completely right. They got on there, and they're all wearing these like, mm-hmm. just the fashion, the alone. craziest like fashion, translucent. And, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, I can't remember their basis. Who has the huge mutton oh, chops? Oh. They're like these big gray mutton chops. Trevor and, Boulder. Yeah, <laughs> and like, you know, Bowie looking, you know, androgynous, androgynous mm-hmm. with the haircut and everything. Yep. And it just like the day after, everyone was just like. Who is this band and what is going on? Well, they wouldn't let them get out of the plane in like Russia on their tour because they were just like, no. What are you? Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> no. You will cause riots yeah. like yeah. on the street with, with you guys. So, and they weren't even in their get ups. Like, they were just like, no, like, you are something else. That's something I amazing. think you can't talk about Bowie without talking about fashion to some extent because mm-hmm. he's been really tied into that world his whole career. And he's so. It's interesting to me because that's the side of music that I'm the least interested in. Uh, but he managed to use fashion to get people to notice him, just like that story illustrates, and make him even more of an icon, and then produce incredible content. I, I always my concern is always that like really fashion forward artists. Um, they sort of mix up their content where it's like maybe their fashion is their content. It might it might be all they really have. They're just a great pop star and, you know, they really know how to present themselves and look awesome. But like Bowie was sort of the master of all of it. I mean, I, I went to an entire exhibit just on his costumes and I mean, it's incredible. Like there's there's so much of it. You know, they have all the drawings for the various uh, tours and all the I mean, he dressed like a Renaissance clown. <laughs> I mean, like he sure did. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Speaking of fashion, I, I found a I found a Bowie quote today about kind of uh, it ties into the fashion thing. He was talking about coming up with the the Ziggy Stardust character, and the character itself was partly based on a, a British rocker Vince Taylor, who had a bit of a breakdown and mm-hmm. claimed to be part alien, part god. <laughs> and it's Bowie a nice had, mix. Yeah, and Bowie met him post that, and was kind of inspired by his interactions with this guy. And then there was a uh, like some like proto psychobilly performer called the legendary Stardust Cowboy, and mm. uh, Bowie lifted Stardust from that. But then for a first name, he knew he wanted it to start with Z for some reason. It had to be a Z. It's the coolest letter. It is. Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to think of Z names, and he was it's also on very the... spacey. Yeah. I think it's in yeah. a lot of uh, science fiction. Right. He was yeah. really into uh, American comic strips. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he was on a train looking out the window, and they he passed by. He saw a sign for uh, a tailor shop called Ziggy's, and uh, the the quote was uh, he liked the name Ziggy because it, it reminded him of, like, Iggy Pop, and he liked, like, that kind of... He definitely liked that connotation. But then, 
he thought to himself, "Well, this whole thing's gonna about the clo- gonna be about the clothes." So it's kind of my own little joke, like naming nice. it after a tailor. <laughs> That's oh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I can't disassociate Starman from uh, the Dewey Cox story because it's what he comes <laughs> roller skating out to when he has his own, oh, very totally own show. What is yeah. Dewey Cox? Uh, walk hard. It's a John C. Riley uh, uh, musical what, parody movie. Yeah. It's, no. it's you are excellent. watching it. It is fantastic. Yeah. And the music, the soundtrack so is so good. Yeah. See, I think of Velvet Goldmine whenever I hear Starman. We, we thought of Velvet Goldmine a lot when we were doing the Roxy Music one. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, it's like heavily, soundtrack. Yeah, Starman's like one, one of, in there too. It's a great but track. Yeah. Um. So, Starman, the chorus. There's a star man waiting up above. Waiting in the sky. Well, sorry, waiting That's in the okay. sky. The, the <laughs> Don't try to quote with that. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. With that. You're going to have to be really yeah. accurate. Fucking uh, faker. Yeah. The, the melody of that is almost the same as Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It is really close. It's got oh, yeah. that, 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 the first two notes are that octave. Yeah. yeah. That somewhere. Yeah. There's yeah. a star oh, boy man. up in that thingamajig. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it has a very magical feel at times on this record. It's really, um, it's got, it's got a big theatrical quality. Sure. I mean, my favorite track on the record is probably "Rock and Roll Suicide," which is basically like a. It's the song in what would be a very good musical, but uh, it's the song in the musical that happens like two thirds of the way through. That's like the turning point where it's somebody realizing something that's got to change. And like right before the big climax happens, like the end of act two, something like that. Yeah. So it's it's like the end of the album and it's the last song, which is really, I think interesting in terms of a sequencing choice, but, um, it's it makes just, sense well, for the story ended. arc of, of, of Ziggy. It's, yeah, you know, it's like bookended with these like it's the rise and fall. gentle songs. Right. Not are, the rise and kind of fall well, and, and then climactic doom. rise again. Songs right. about <laughs> doom. <laughs> like the first first and last songs are so dark. Mm. I mean, like five years. I mean, talk about yeah. what an opener for an album. Uh, the lyrics of just total... I, I, I can't tell you how many times I have lifted the feeling of that song like for my own songs like it's just like it's the descriptive elements of just like here's a scene you know and it's it's a terrible scene Side? No. We're not. We're not killing Ziggy. No, I don't think so. What happens to Ziggy? He goes up. 
into space. He leaves Earth and he lives leaves. Oh, I thought that he rock and roll he, to us. He burnt out like a flame. No, I think he leaves rock and roll to us. I think five years is how long he has to be on Earth. Yeah, five years. Was is... it on the uh, tale of uh, Hale Bop? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Are we gonna start a cult tonight, though? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, thought, I think that website's we still up. I thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> that's what you've been doing this yeah. podcast. <laughs> we can die after we get through it. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's a death goal. I knew it. I got my bullet hanging out on the mantle right now. <laughs> I can't wait for this fucking book to be done. <laughs> my impression was that, so there's there's five years left on Earth before mm-hmm. the end of the world. Yeah, they know it's gonna end. And... Well, the Earthlings don't know what's going to end. Ziggy, the prophet, says, hey, there's five years left on Earth. Don't worry. There's a star man. Let me tell you all about it with my rock and roll. And he gets huge. And then just like any like Messiah story, there is a downfall. And then it just ends. <laughs> okay. That, that, that was I just mean, my interpretation. interpretation. I think yeah. you can read it different ways. Of course, and that's yeah. the, that's what's nice about it. Yeah, yeah. that's why art is good. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Ziggy, it occurs to me that I think this record was probably the first time. It's the first connection that I have with the idea of like androgyny, uh, or just like sexuality that's not like cis sexuality. Like I, when I think about it wasn't like, Tiny Tim. <laughs> I, I, just, I did not know Tiny Tim was until there's some There's some slinky Mark Bolin stuff that we've already... Right, but I was like 12 when I got this record. I think you're talking about, oh, 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 talking about chronological... No, I mean like in my life. No, like, oh, okay. like, generally yeah. people do. I mean like I'm listening to the lyrics, I'm looking at the photos, and I'm like... Mark Bolin was a lot more... I mean, there's a lot of babies in there. There's a lot of like girl, you know. Yeah. Like it is literally speaking about the other... The opposing sex... Or yeah. it's at least being safe enough about the language he's very, that he, you he's very can code it either Yeah, it, absolutely. But I, I do get what you're saying, where Bowie's literally sing, singing about, like, a universal sort of, like, that science, science well, fiction sort of, like, love, like, well, throughout, like, well, a human The character, love. like, is, like, androgynous. Like, yeah. that's, like, sure. like, I had never seen, like, I had never seen um, somebody dressing in that way I don't think I mean even though like 80s glam rock was happening when I was a kid or whatever like that was just so it was it was different, different. somehow yeah. and it was like it was just like clearly it was very focused on masculines yeah like and forgetting girls yeah, yeah. and or like using women as exactly obviously. yeah and even <laughs> that like I was aware of in some way it was like right. yeah this stuff's not exactly for me and I grew to enjoy some of it later through like a different lens but like I think this record, I remember thinking about like, oh, you know, this, it was at a, I discovered it at a time where it was like the first kids in my school were, you know, I was thinking about sexuality, like, oh, I think that kid might be gay or like this kid came out or, you know, just like stuff that I had never thought about before. And it's all sort of bundled in this record. And I think this record helped me sort of just say, oh, yeah, OK, that's just something that exists in our world. And like David Bowie is talking about it or at least embodying it and um it was just sort of an interesting connection for me as a as a, like a little kid you know absolutely i think i had a similar thing with uh, the ninja turtles uh touring group and their uh record we're coming out of our shell <laughs> <laughs> i saw that tour i know you did <laughs> Every- <laughs> 
I got the uh, I got the tape from uh, Noble Romans. <laughs> oh, oh, I, dude, I had, had some tape. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> My friend's aunt was one of the Ninja Turtles, so we got free what? tickets. <laughs> what? Yeah, we got free tickets. Oh, um, man. She was like, you know, some did sort you of get like to dancer. Meet her? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Which ninja was she wearing was she? the costume? I think she was Leonardo. Oh, Whoa. she's the leader of the group. Transformed from the norm by the Me. nuclear goop? Yeah. And uh, it was Leonardo or Raphael. It was a long time ago. Oh, he's cool but rude. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the part the the part that I remember the best is that they threw out styrofoam pizzas into the crowd. Of course. And I caught one, and some kid tried to rip it out of my hands, and I took him by the head, and I just pushed his head down. <laughs> and it was just like, you don't steal something out of my hand. And I just pushed his head down back into his seat. <laughs> like, and I used that uh, as I dressed up for a Ninja Turtle for Halloween that year. Heck yeah. Like, I didn't fight over anything. I was just like, no! no. Don't take it out of my hand. Like... <laughs> And so I, I looked up the, the lyrics of Moon Age Daydream today, yeah. and I was I was today years old when oh, I yeah. learned that the lyrics are, the church of man, comma, love, comma, is such a holy place to be. I always thought it was the church of man, love. Me too. <laughs> I, I thought that as a kid, and that huh? was like further, it was like, oh, okay, right, like, right. Uh, Ziggy Stardust is gay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, but like, why is that comma there? <laughs> I, is it the church I think of it's man, supposed to be love. both. He's referring I to... I understand, yeah. yeah. Love I understand grammar very well. <laughs> as we all know. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying that maybe that comma's in there because somebody told him to put it in there, uh, and oh. he said it the way he wanted it to be. Oh, I think it's supposed uh, to be interpreted, both. Interpreted, right? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it could be yeah, either could be. or. Yeah, sure. I don't know. But mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah? <laughs> I got assigned to listen to it for English class when, when? I was in college. Whoa. That's <laughs> That's a good... He was a pretty foxy teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to write a paper? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I don't remember that part of it very much. That well, no, because we were... It was like... We were studying different um, theorists, so oh, cool. it was probably a theory paper, but... It's wonderful. It's beautiful. I would like to know if, any, great. if anybody has a... It's, I guess it's hard to say with a non-single like off this album because there's so many quote-unquote yeah. singles. Yeah. But does anybody have one that wouldn't you wouldn't think of as as a single on here? Hey, Moon Age Daydream. I don't know if it was a single, but that's my favorite song on the record. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I wouldn't have picked that one. Hmm. I would have picked you for well, fine. Su- su- Suffrage's <laughs> City or... Yeah. That one's good too. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. I always like the. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Freak out. And, and then put put your ray gun to my head. I always thought it was such such a cool line. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I was also surprised uh, when reading up on this to find out that the ARP was used for those horns, like for mm-hmm. the like. Not fake horns, but they sound like a brass. In Suffragette City. Yeah, yeah. It's like a saxophone sound. Yeah, but it's but really it's, just a synthesizer. Yeah. yeah. Which is really good use. It's it's like they finally figured it. This year, they kind of like early 70s. They 1972, started, the year we figured out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that reminds it's me. It's like Roxy music, too. You know, like and, all and the Stevie Eno Wonder. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. An, sure. early, an early moment that just made a young musician me very happy was when we recorded our second album and it would have been like early 2003 
uh, they had a Mellotron at the studio, Whoa. which was the Mellotron that they used on this album. And we used it on three songs on that album. And for me, already being such a fan, I was like, boy, just stuff like this just happens, I guess, once you're a musician. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Like, there's been, like, interesting, like, this console was used for this record or whatever. But, like, that was... Like the second studio we'd ever recorded in, yeah. and it was—it's still. What my studio f- in two thousand three had the Mellotron from Ziggy Stardust? It's uh, the Clubhouse up in uh, Rhinebeck, New York. Really? In uh, upstate in the Catskills, and I just—it was like I thought that was like normal that you didn't counter all these incredible musicians in their random ways because the first few times we recorded, like stuff like that happened. We're like, oh wow, that's cool, but it's like that's still the one that hits me the most. That's awesome. It's just a Mellotron. Did you use it? Oh, three songs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. There's some... It's, like, my favorite, like, weird instrument. <laughs> it's definitely a weird instrument. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's a, a reference to Droogs in Suffragette City. Yeah. There is. Makes oh. sense. Droogie Don't Crash Here. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, topical. It was. Oh, and and it was, he was very, like, I, I read that he was influenced... Yeah. By it, like the like the aesthetic, like the mascara eye, like he wanted mm. something that would kind of hit like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you got to be. Uh, I think he had the the forethought to to sort of invent this stuff. I mean, glam was happening uh, with or without Bowie, I think. But at the same time, he was like, "This is how to convey my crazy ideas about big picture." Yeah, big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it almost killed him too. I was reading about like after the tour, he was yeah. like. He started getting in his head so much about when he was zigging, yeah. when he was Bowie, and yeah, he started right. like l- losing his identity a bit. Yeah, blurred yeah. boundaries there. Like uh, the alter ego kind of overcame. Yeah, and so identity. he tried to. Ki- he killed it off essentially. He was just like, I got it. It's just the and, one. But, and it was and it was to adopt another alter ego, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Who was well, like a darker? It, yeah, yeah. That's why it yeah. came soon after, mm-hmm. or he was just like cut this, you know, did that tour, and then yeah. just yeah. said, no, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to... I I think he also saw, uh, foresaw himself, like, just becoming Ziggy. It's like that, you know, that childhood actor or something where it's like, you're always that character now, mm-hmm. you know? And he still kind of is. I mean, people still think of him. Right. I feel like most but, iterations of him are as an alien right. person yeah. that's separate from our culture in a way that means he can, like, like an show us things about it. Right. So, I feel like it's always him in some ways, but it doesn't have to specifically be that Ziggy one. Stardust, right? Yeah. Because what's that movie oh, I don't yeah. like that much that he's an alien in? Uh, the Man Who right. Fell to Earth? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Whew. Not a fan. <laughs> so, he plays a great Andy Warhol in the Basquiat movie with oh, yeah. Jeffrey Wright. Oh, yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah. That movie is just sort of about him being depressed as an alien on Earth, and it's yeah. not yeah, very good, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's not fun Bruno. to watch. <laughs> he's, like, he's a good actor. Bruno. He does a good job. I just don't know what's good anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> my that's my favorite line from that movie. That's <laughs> great that you picked up on that too. <sighs> you know, we we talk about how he was only Ziggy for one tour. We should clarify that was one hell of a tour. It was 170 shows. Yeah, it oh. spanned like wow. two years. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's working. Yeah. Dang. I one other thing I from going back to this album I found really surprising it's how much of the songs he was recording on the previous album came over to this album and it wasn't like a I for some reason I just in 
every time in my mind I picture this album as being this entire concept like, okay, now I'm going to start, out. <laughs> start recording these songs on this album. And there were a couple of these songs that were in the on the previous album that just sort of carried over. And you can the cut. sessions were really close to each other. Yeah, for Hunky Dory and Ziggy, it was yeah. almost back to back. So I'm surprised that he was just so prolific. I guess in, yeah. in having Hunky Dory songs and part of this album, and then continuing that on. Amazing. Day that uh, so he did the he recorded the hunky dory stuff and then he put together a group of guys to be his backing band later known as the Spiders from Mars and they kind of came to the quick realization that the hunky dory material wasn't the best for a live performance right, right. so they they needed some new material that they could tour on and that's how these sessions mm-hmm. started and like they, and the whole conceptual thing just kind of happened organically they're just. They're they're writing some songs to tour. I had read that about Starman. They were like, "We need a single." And he's like, "All right, I'll just write this." I guess uh, I'll write you a single. Guess I'll just write one of the classic songs of our uh, (laughs) generation. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I think that like sometimes having the pressure for like if you've got a great mind like Bowie, like or even you know just a regular songwriter, sometimes having the pressure turned on. Um, can really get you to produce. I mean, like, there's nothing like having studio days booked and being like, fuck, <laughs> that will get you trying at least, you know? And so it's like, if, if he had that, if he had that urgency of the, the songs were hard to translate live. I mean, if you look at Hunky Dory, it's like songs like super um, ornate, like changes, mm-hmm. um, Andy Warhol, one of my favorites. Quicksand. Uh, yeah, and then... Um, Another big one is be Life on Mars. They're like very produced and theatrical and lots of vocals and everything. They'd be hard to pull off with to the full effect live. So you, even though those songs are arguably some of his best songs of all time, you can see why they wanted to like do a more straightforward like rocker record that has songs like Suffragette City that's just going right. to pop live and everybody will sing along. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite song on this record, mm. Vic? You know, unlike you guys, I... I didn't grow up listening to this. And so I think like when I listened to this on Friday, it was the first time I'd listened to it from the beginning to end. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's Which amazing. is really cool. And, that's and, amazing. and so there were definitely songs on here I'd never heard before. Um, so I don't know if I have a standout. I mean, I'd heard obviously, you know, the like Suffragette City and other, other songs that are out there, but it was very, it was really interesting to hear it and not, have had that experience before because it made me think that, you know, if I'd listened to it earlier, I think I would have really liked it then. But, um, yeah, I don't know if I've got a specific standout. That's the fun of this project is that um, we're listening to stuff from your position that we we may be familiar with the artist, but we don't necessarily know the album. Yep. Um, 
or, you know, there's stuff we've never heard at all mm-hmm. and uh, or stuff that we're revisiting. Like, I mean, there are records, this record I keep revisiting in my life, but there are records that we're going to start getting into as we get more into the wheelhouse for people our age right. um, uh, that, you know, I played a thousand times but haven't heard in a decade or two. And it'll be interesting to see how yeah. kind time has been for some of that. Yeah, which is also, like, such a subjective... Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, all this whole thing is so subjective. I do want to say one positive thing about this book, because I've I've specifically been angry at this book for not including enough people of color and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, though that doesn't count here, I will say that David Bowie is the artist that has the most albums in this book, and I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. like... If you're going to pick somebody, it's like, I thought it would be like the Beatles or the Stones. I was pleased that it was David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like the Beatles and the Stones, obviously, but mm-hmm. it's kind of cool that it's Bowie. That is cool. Yeah. Surprising. Okay. And mm-hmm. this is, what, the second Bowie album we've covered? So we've got plenty ahead of us, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we have one coming up in like... Uh, Aladdin's like, 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 like three episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I feel like I, I've said this sentence so many times this evening... So I read today. <laughs> that's okay. That's good. I read some of the stuff that you read. Yeah, actually. I, yeah, I spent a lot of time reading today. Yeah. That so apparently on the 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 first pressing UK release of it on the back in all caps it says uh, uh, to be played at maximum volume. Is that what it says? Yeah. yeah. To be played at maximum volume. I've got a beat old copy, beat up old copy of this record, so I dug it out, and it says that on the back. I didn't realize. I, that's I, awesome. I had, that's I had, I had very... an original one. Yeah. Very bottom. That's yeah. from mixing, like, that's it's probably when they started uh, mixing them to be played loud. Because uh, I remember talking about this when we first started mastering. It's just a cool thing to say. Um, okay. Agreed. Hey, listen to my tunes loud, fuckers. We put, <laughs> yeah, I'm not playing around. In our first few albums, we put that in, uh, the same note in there, based off of records like this that would that would include that. Right. Because we were mastering it to be turned up, uh, you know? Yeah. And, like, but that's one of the records I remember seeing that. I can't remember if my copy has it. I got to check when I get home. Yeah. It's a very mildewy copy. I, I bet. It, 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 if you say your stepmom had it in a basement for a while, yeah. I bet it does. Yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting. Oh, so we're listening to Rock and Roll Suicide right now in, right. in our in our ear yep. cans. Uh, there's, it, it, so, kind of in like the that chanson style. Yeah, he also did the... Totally. Um, Jacques Burrell's Amsterdam yeah. while they were doing these... That checks out. These... Um, recordings so there's a few even in the song lyrically a few like very specific nods to that scene well the 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 you're not alone is uh there's a Jacques Brel song from like uh, Jacques Jacques Brel is alive and well and living in where's he living is it Paris is that where he's living uh but isn't there there's like a track on that you're not alone that like so the hook of the song is a nod to that but then even the the time takes a cigarette. The first line, uh, apparently, uh, is it as Baudelaire? Is that the mm-hmm. French poet? Mm-hmm. Life is a cigarette, uh, and that's like a like a, like a nod to that. Yeah, so that's neat. That's awesome. Nerds. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, cool guy? I mean, do we even need to go around the room? If, if you like music, you probably like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even if you don't, you'll probably like it. I, so I feel like we need to we need to have like a gold star, like some sort of like designation this of like is, unanimous. This is just like yeah. an album that you out of all the albums that we've done, there's there's like 
not that many that I feel like all of us are just like, mm. if you don't listen to this, you probably hate music and you don't, <laughs> you don't want to experience anything that has feeling. <laughs> no joy at all. No joy at all. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, I kind of feel like if this isn't for you in some way, music's not for you. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's yeah. just like, this is a, a great example of a creative mind, you yeah. know? Uh, so that's positive from yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. have it. Market positive, dude. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll do positive plus. Market P. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna scratch it off too. Oh, yeah. is, it on the, is it on the poster? Where is it? It is. Is that the poster? I need to hang up that poster. Is it a poster? It has to be. Yeah, I've, uh, un- some of the significant albums. Oh, okay. from is it this. A, from a from a different? Oh, okay. A different list. But uh, a, a there's there's list. definitely a crossover. <laughs> uh huh. It has to be on there. If it's oh. not, I will be. Shocked. We'll burn the poster. <laughs> right after we burn this fucking book. <laughs> right. That's what the bullet's for, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot, Over here. shoot the book oh. when we're done. <laughs> yep, there she is. That would be a very Hunter S. Thompson and therefore a very Louisville thing to do. Thank you. There's a few of them here that we still need to scratch off. Yeah, scratch those We're going to get a bingo off. before you know it. I know. Yeah. I don't have a penny. Anything else? Listen to David Bowie. Yeah. Listen to David Bowie. Listen to David Bowie. More. Come on. Yeah. Even if you already listen to him. Mm-hmm. You've got two ears. Listen to two different Bowies. <laughs> <laughs> David Bowie? Double music. Yeah. Double music. All right, next time we'll be talking about war. The world is a ghetto. All right. Thanks, y'all.